You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. God is faithful to restore and sustain us in the midst of trials. Learn more about it in our series, Why Me? Listen to this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. We are concluding our series on Why Me? And for those of you who are here joining us for the first time, this is actually a series on the book of Job. And many times, that is not the book that you read for your devotion in the morning. Though, if you look at it, it's actually an encouraging book. Though it started with a lot of sufferings and pain, it ended up with something that's positive. And I believe that if you look at our Christian life, basically that is what's going to happen to us. We will not end in suffering. Amen. Because our Christian life is destined to actually end in glory. And uh, you know that's uh, basically the, the word for us this uh, this afternoon. So just to give us a recap, our serious objective is to see God's perspective on suffering and its ultimate outcome so that we will trust Him all the more as we go through those difficult uh, and hard situations in our life. Okay? Uh, I think two weeks ago, I you know, poised a question. And basically, this is you know, what God wants to know. Can God find a man? who would love him just for who he is. And, you know, if you read the book of Job, you know, it is quite an uneasy book, but understanding it will liberate us from a wrong notion about the gospel. That the gospel is not just about prosperity, amen. You know, some preachers in some churches are preaching all about prosperity gospel. That Christianity is all about just being blessed and all about being, you know, prosperous. But I believe that you know, when you talk about pain and suffering, it is also a normal part of the Christian life. How many of you will agree with me on that? And how many of you have gone through that? Right? If you have not gone through that, as I said earlier, don't, don't worry, it will come. Okay? Um, <laughs> it's a part of life. Okay? It's, uh, it's normal. And uh, prosperity, hopefully it will, you know, reading through the book of Job will liberate us from this wrong mindset, the prosperity gospel or prosperity theology. Nothing wrong with prosperity, by the way. God wants you to prosper. God wants us blessed. But that is not the ultimate destiny, destiny of Christians. Amen. We're not after wealth and blessings. I hope that we will get that into our hearts. It's not about what God can give. I hope that as Christians, we're not just after God's hand. That we will be after God's face. We will be after His nature. We will be after his character. We will be after his attributes. And that is merely a byproduct of that. Having a relationship with God is what blesses us. And not the other way around. We're not seeking the blessings. We are seeking the blessor. Amen. And so, this particular book as well would release us from the theology of glory. Which means that we only find God in the good times. And when we go th- we're going through bad times... God is not there. But how many of you know that God is with us, whether in good times or bad times? Because God promised us that He will never leave us nor forsake us. That even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of pain and suffering, God is going to be there right by our side. And sometimes the question is, Lord, where were you when I was going through this? Maybe the answer is, I was the one carrying you when you were going through that. And, uh, you know, that's uh, basically 
what we want to just remind ourselves as, as we end this book. It's going to be a positive note. We will fo- be focusing on uh, Job chapter 42, and we will see that God definitely just blessed the last uh, days of Job. So I'd like to invite everyone to stand with me as we read from Job chapter 42. We will just uh, read two verses this afternoon. Job chapter 42, beginning in verse 10 and 11. And the Lord restored, everybody say restored, the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice, everybody say twice, twice as much as he had before. Then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before and ate bread with him in his house. And they showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave a piece of money and a ring of gold. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you so much for uh, tonight. We ask that you would bless the preaching of your word. Continue to uh, renew our minds. Continue to strengthen us as we go through life's difficult situations. But I thank you, Lord God, that your deliverance and your, uh, Lord, your salvation is near, Lord God. And we thank you that those who cry out upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That, Lord, you are the one. We look to you as our source of strength, Lord God. We don't want to just uh, go down, Lord God, and just be discouraged about our situation. Lord, continue to lift up the head of your people and infuse faith in our hearts. So, Lord, we thank you for tonight. Bless the preaching of your word. Holy Spirit, we welcome you as you speak to us as a church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. Why me? Everyone say, why me? Why me? We ask that question many times when you go through a difficult moment. Why me? Why not him? Or why not her? Why me? We always focus on ourselves. It's self-preservation. But I believe that God has a purpose every time we go through pain. Just to give us a quick summary of what we've talked about so far in the past two weeks. Number one is uh, bad things can happen even to good people. How many of you are righteous because of Jesus? Okay, if you put your faith in the Lord, uh, of course, no, no one can claim that we are good, right? The Bible says in Romans 3, no one is good, not even one. But this is in, in the context of, you know, that Jesus basically gave his life on the cross. He clothed us with the robes of righteousness. Now as believers, you know, just like Job, you know, Job was not... You know, even in the covenant at that time, but yet the Bible says in Job 1, he was an upright and blameless man. He feared God and he shunned evil. So how many of you know that Job practically was a good man? But yet bad things happened to him. And so we, will find, we found out in the book that even bad, good people can have bad situations in their life. You know, four times God described Job as somebody who's upright and righteous. In fact, you know, if you look at Job's uh, uh, criteria or character, maybe he would fit the criteria of somebody who's attending church here in Victoria, Alabama at the 5 p.m. service. You know, coming to the mall faithfully, you know, holding your children together. You know, you're, a, you're somebody who'd love your family to, to worship the Lord and you're here, you're committed. 
you're giving your offerings to the Lord, you know, you're, you're serving in the church, you're probably committed, leading a small group, or you're a member of a small group, you're, you're leading, you know, or maybe you're, you're ushering, or maybe you're volunteering in the kids' church, and so on and so forth, but yet, you know, it, uh, tragedy would strike sometimes, just like Job. It happens. And so I, I, I hope that we will not uh, just allow ourselves to be judged by others on the basis of what we're going through in our life. Because I think what's dangerous is if we accept this, what we call retribution theology, that God only blesses the righteous and God always judges the wicked. There's a danger, that's a dangerous mindset. And if you believe in that mindset, you will go out and look at people and what they're experiencing. And if you find a believer or a brother that's going through some tough times, maybe sick or maybe, uh, you know, uh, lost his job or maybe have problems in his marriage, maybe you're going to judge that person. Ah, okay, you're suffering. Maybe you've sinned or maybe you're a bad person. Or if you see somebody who's blessed, you know, you know, promotion is coming, you know, this, uh, you know, there's just a relationship as well, uh, in tip-top shape, you know, very healthy, can run the marathon, you know, maybe that person is being blessed by God because that person is righteous. Let us be careful to categorize people like that, okay? Because it can happen both ways. Secondly, the devil is real. We found out. As we took, uh, you know, looked at the first chapters, uh, first two chapters of the book of Job, that the devil is there, he's real, and he comes to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Let's not talk about the devil anymore. Okay, I want to move on. Okay, <laughs> he's not worth our time. Anyway, so now, but it's, it, it pays to know who our enemy is. Okay, it pays to know his tactics. It pays to know his strategy. And many times he's out there to, you know, to accuse us and to lie to us and to slander us. So he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Number three, when we go through hard times, we need friends to stand with us. That's another reality in the book. And how many of you have friends? Please raise your hand. Konti lang. I hope all of us will have friends or have friends that when we go through some tough times, that these friends will be the ones standing with us. You know, the Bible says, better is a friend nearby than a brother far away, okay? Uh, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Okay, that's another scripture. And so, there are friends that God has put in our, in our life that stands with us. That when we go through some difficult times, you have some, some people who can pray with us and encourage us. And I hope that you have friends like that. Job had friends like that. Unfortunately, though they're well-meaning, they gave him some bad advice. And so that's my point number four. Even good friends sometimes with the best intentions can give bad counsel. And how many of you have had friends like that? Well, well-meaning. Well I mean, they have good intentions. I want to help you. Okay? You know, but yet, if they don't go back, if they don't have a proper understanding of who God is, they may actually end up giving you the wrong counsel. And so number five, just to have a quick summary, and then we'll dive into our two points. The book of Job did not intend to answer the why questions. And how many of you know that Job has a lot of why questions? He asked the Lord, Lord, why is this thing happening to me? I'm righteous. I'm blameless. So there's a lot of why questions. But instead of God answering the whys of Job, he asked him 64 questions. 
that Job is not able to answer. And those 64 questions were actually a showcase of who God is in the life of Job. But yet, it paints a good picture of the how. How to find God in the midst of pain and how to respond in sufferings in a manner that honors God. Last week, remember, we talked about the, the sources or the, the, the reasons for suffering. And there's sin, there's stupidity, and there's the sovereignty of God. But how do we respond? We can either moralize it or minimize it, or the last one is to, to face it. Look at the person beside you and tell the person, face it. Okay? Face. you got to face the problem, especially if the problem is... So, got to face it. You got to face the fact because if you face the problem, you will realize that you need a Savior. That because many times the problem is just beyond us. But God is always bigger than our problem. Amen. Tim Keller, and I'd like to quote this. He actually said this in this book about suffering. He said, suffering is unbearable if you aren't certain that God is for you and with you. But I hope that by now we can be certain that God promised us not exactly to deliver us out of that quickly, but He promised us to be there right in the midst of pain and suffering, and that is enough for us. Job chapter 38, because you know, Job was asking the Lord so many questions. This is the response of God, and I'm reading, reading from the Message Bible. And he said, and now finally... God answered Job from the eye of a violent storm. You know, when we go through pain sometimes, we feel that God is silent. How many of you sometimes felt God is silent? Parang you ask yourself, natutulog ba ang Diyos? Parang si Gary V, no? You know, and we feel that God is not there, but in reality, God is there. And so finally, after God being silent, but He was there, He answered Job and He said to him, Why do you confuse the issue? Why do you talk about knowing what you're talking about? As if you know what you're talking about. Lord. In verse 3, it says, Pull yourself together, Job. Up on your feet. Stand tall. I have some questions for you. And I want some straight answers. Where were you when I created the earth? Tell me, since you know so much. I mean, can you imagine if you were Job? Lord. What happened? Can you imagine? Here we are. We are created beings and we sometimes try to figure out who God is. Lord, I don't understand you. Of course. Hello. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And we try to put God in a box. We try to say, God, do this, do that. You should do this. You should do that. You know, in my life, this is the best plan. I studied here. She is my neighbor. We should end up together. <laughs> We're always in love. Why are you doing this to me, Lord? You know, sometimes we, you know, we have so many questions and we ask the Lord and we dictate on God, Lord, do this, do that. And can you imagine what Job felt when God asked him, where were you when I created the earth? Wala pa, di ba? I'm just a dust. <laughs> or you know, Anyway. Tell me since you know so much. Who decided on its size? Certainly you'll know that. Who came up with the blueprints and measurements? How was its foundation? 
poor and who set the cornerstone, so on and so forth. While the morning star sang in chorus and all the angels shouted praise and who took the charge of the ocean when it gushed forth like a baby from the womb. Have you ever seen the sea? You know, it's just full, right? And yet he said, that was me. I wrapped it in soft clouds. I love the description. And tucked it in safety at night. Then I made a playpen for it. A strong playpen so it could not run loose. Haven't you noticed that the ocean is just right there? It doesn't always cover the land. Because God is just making it where it should be. Of course, from time to time, there's tsunami, right? (laughs) But that's not because of God. It's because of our sin, as we talked about last week. And so in verse 11, he said, and, and said, stay here. This is your place. Your wild tantrums are confined to this place. I mean, if suddenly Job is beginning to understand who he's talking to now. You know, that the creator of everything. He did not just create Job. He created everything on earth. He created the entire universe. He hung the stars, gave them names. And how dare us talk to the Lord and ask Him, Lord, how dare you do this to me? You're allowing me to suffer? Labo mo, Lord. Labo. And sometimes our attitude is like that. Now, I'm not saying that you don't talk to God and pour out your emotion. You pour out your emotion before the Lord. God wants a relationship with us. He doesn't want us to just respond to Him like a robot or a toy. He's not somebody who's playing with us. You know, God is not like that. But God wants us to be totally honest to Him. If we're about to give up, then let's just tell Him. But let's not be arrogant before the Lord as if we know more than Him. God find, you know, Job finally realized that, wow, I, I know nothing. In Job chapter 40, verse 4 to 5, it says, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. What does that mean? Mm. I'd rather not speak. I have spoken once, and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. In other words, what happened to Job was, though the Bible paints a picture that he was somebody who's blameless and upright, somebody who's, you know, uh, probably the greatest among the people in that region, there has to be a transformation in his life. And there are two things that transformed in the life of Job. Number one is, he had a renewed mind. Everybody say renewed mind. For the first time, he saw who God is. And he saw himself in the light of this big God. And sometimes we don't see that. Sometimes we think that we are the center of the universe. Sometimes we think that the universe revolves around us. And that our God is a big butler. That we, when we pray a prayer, that God owes us you know, all the answers to our prayer. And sometimes, nagtatampo tayo kay Lord pag hindi sinasagot ni Lord yung prayer natin. And I hope that we will you know, have a proper estimation of who we are before the Lord. You know, I don't want us to just feel that we're worms before Him. You know, God considers you and I as sons and daughters. Amen. We are children of the King. But at the same time, we come to Him, yes, in boldness, but with utmost respect. 
Not that, you know, he's like a genie in a bottle. You know, you rub, you know, I have my Bible, ESV version. Lord, I'm praying today. Lord, give me promotion right now. Now, now. Sometimes when we pray, it's as if that God owes us. God does not owe us anything. Anything. He blessed us with his salvation. We're going to heaven because of what Jesus Christ did. Amen. And that is the good news. If you talk about the gospel, the gospel is that you and I are not going to hell. Amen. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, are you going to heaven? Yeah. We're on our way to heaven because of what Jesus Christ did if you put your faith in the Lord. Amen. That is the good news. All the other things are icing on the cake. The prosperity, the blessing, the good health. Yes, God wants us to prosper. God wants us to have good health. God wants us to have a great relationship. But that's just part of the relationship that we have with the Lord. God does not owe us anything. And I hope that we get renewed in our mind. In verse uh, 1 of chapter 42, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. So somehow he realized after all this you know, uh, discussion and the Lord just showing him who he was, you know, he realized, okay, I am a finite night being and I'm dealing with a God who's got a great purpose, not only for, myself, for my life, but also for the, for the world. And he said this, that his purpose, you know, no purpose of yours can be thwarted. The Bible says, you know, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevail. You know, we make plans, right? You know, 2014 is almost over. It's uh, November already. Some of you will be buying, you know, new planners. Some of you probably are already stacking up on the Starbucks drink. With, you know, they're going to launch it again in a few days, or maybe they launch it already. You know, you're going to drink, you know, till you get that planner, Okay. Uh, or, or, you know, just go for coffee beer. But anyway, so, and the planner is meant to plan. It's meant to, you know, more or less give direction to your life. But no matter how we plan, it is the Lord's purpose that will prevail over our life. Amen. And how many of you know that the, Lord pur- the Lord's purpose for us is good? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to what? Prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope. In a future. Amen. Can we just give the Lord praise for that? You know, He deserves all our praise. We don't do it in our terms. We do it in His terms. Even the Lord Jesus, when He was going to the cross, He prayed this prayer, not my will, but yours be done. It is not what I want. And sometimes when we don't get what we want, we have tantrums. Lord, ayoko na. Tampoko sa yoko. And sometimes we're like that in, you know, in, our, in our heart when we don't get what we want and when we suffer too much. And I kind of felt that when I lost my son. But Lord, But I realized that God has a bigger plan. Up to now, I don't know the real purpose. I'm going to ask him when I get to heaven. But for once, I know that every time I see somebody who's sick, I have more mercy and compassion for people who are sick. You know, I was talking to one of our members yesterday, and uh, she normally attends the 11 o'clock service, and I asked her permission if I can share this in the church. 
and she was she's a single uh, lady. She's uh, she's thirty uh, plus years old. Okay, a couple of years ago, she uh, discovered a lump uh, on her chest. You know, she grew up to be healthy. There's no history of cancer uh, in their family, but yet. When she discovered this, she went to the doctor, and the doctor said, this is positive, this is cancer. And so um, that really just brought some fears in her heart. Uh, she went through eight cycles of chemotherapy. She had bilateral mastectomy. And you know, as I saw her about a year ago, she even lost her hair. And I was asking her, how did you cope up? And as she was telling me her story last night, she said, you know what, Pastor? I realized that as a Christian, it's a win-win situation for us. Whether we're dead or alive, I now understand when the Apostle Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, she had her mind renewed as she was nearing her mortality on this earth. And she said, you know, I don't even know if I'm going to die. But she realized how frail she was and that, you know, she became more compassionate with people. She said also that whether God would heal her or not, she said ultimately her desire is to glorify the Lord, whether in life or in death. She also realized that, you know, she has learned to comfort others in the same way that God has comforted her. The good news is, about a few months ago, she received news from the doctor that her cancer is totally gone and she has faced remission. Amen. But one of the things that she said is interesting. She said, you know what? At least when you have cancer, it gives you time to prepare. We, I know that all of us will go to, you know, we'll have our point of death someday. Some will die in old, in old age. Some will die with sickness. Some will die a violent death abruptly. But we, me as a cancer patient, I was given the opportunity to take stock of my life and really prepare. As a Christian, I knew exactly what I should be doing. So she was so positive on how she you know, looked at that particular sickness. And she said, you know, ultimately, I still consider the Lord to be a faithful, and a, God, a faithful God and a God who is capable of healing anyone that He wants. But as for me, he, she said, whether dead or alive, I will continue to glorify the Lord. And so, you know, it, it was a great story how her mind was, uh, you know, renewed because of this particular suffering. And I realized that people tend to do one or two things when they go through pain and suffering. It's either we hate God or blame God, you know, when we go through some sufferings and we tell the Lord, Lord, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you deliver me in this? Or there are people like her who will actually hang closer to God and say, Lord, I can't do this without you. You're all that I need. And she said, and she said, she's, you know, quite a wealth, she comes from a wealthy family. And she said, none of that matter. All that you need in that particular situation is you and Jesus. And that's it. Very good perspective. Renewed mind. Amen? In verse 3, it says, who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Here and I will speak, I will question you, 
and you will make it known to me. I have heard of you by hearing of the ears, but now my eye sees you. And that's exactly what happened to Job. The faithfulness of God is no longer just second-hand report. It's a first-hand experience in his case. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 27, it says, For the Lord Almighty has purposed, and who can thwart him? His hand is stretched out, and who can turn it back? God's purpose will always prevail in our hearts. We just need to submit to his will. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His what? Good, pleasing, and perfect. It is only when we have our minds renewed that we will see that God's will for us is good, pleasing, and perfect. In fact, I believe that she would be bold enough to say that her cancer is the will of God, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And now God has used her in this capacity to comfort others. And she has actually you know, ministered to a lot of cancer patients, led them to the Lord, and showed them the way because she allowed herself to be transformed by the saving grace of God. Amen? Secondly, and my last point, is God's, uh, Job's transformation is he had a repentant heart. Though Job was presented in the Bible to be somebody who was blameless, yet he was not without sin. He committed sin just like you and me. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, just like you. Yeah, okay. So we're all sinners. Okay? We're just like Job. Job is not more, more special than us. In fact, the, the reality is we have a better covenant than Job. Job is not part of the Abrahamic covenant. And yet God showed His mercy to Job. How much more you and me? Amen. How much more us? We belong to a better covenant. Our covenant is written and uh, you know, signed by the blood of Jesus. In four, uh, Job chapter 42, verse 6, it says, Therefore, everybody say, therefore, Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ash. So finally, he realized because he was justifying too much. You know, his three friends are saying, you know, you did this, you did this. No, I did not do anything. I am righteous. I am blameless. I am a man of integrity. Finally, he said, yes, I repent. He repented of what? Not because of the charge of his friends, because God did not charge him with the same charge, but basically he repented of this. He repented of self-righteousness because he thinks highly of himself too much before the Lord. And sometimes that can be the problem of Christians. Amen. We think that we're okay. We think that, you know, I think, Lord, I don't need any help. And that's in a dangerous situation. He also repented because of the way he cursed the time of his death. He said, I cursed the time that I was born. I cursed, you know, I, I didn't like that I was actually born in my mother's womb. He, he had the desire to die. He complained. Uh, you know, he, he was in despair, so he repented of all those. And God basically told him, in order for you to fully be restored, I want you to pray for your friends. In, uh, in Job chapter 6, Job, uh, God was actually rebuking Eliphaz and Bildad. And the third friend is Zophar. Zophar so good. Right? You know, the three friends who actually did not really treat Job right. But yet God told them, go to Job. He will pray for you. 
Then I will heal you and I will restore you. Now, if you have friends like that, who slandered you, who said bad things about you, who you know, basically accused you, how many of you will find it easy to pray for them? But by the grace of God, amen? What do we pray for them? Lord, no, the Bible says we pray for our enemies. How much more our friends? Pray for those who persecute you. So Job prayed for them. And God gave Job double for his trouble. What an amazing story. And I want to end with this. In verse 10, it says, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. When he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. In fact, uh, some of the biblical scholars are saying that he received the inheritance of a firstborn. In the Jewish families, in the, you know, in the olden days, what they would do is the father would normally leave a double portion of the inheritance to the eldest son because he will normally take care of the estate and take care of all his siblings. Okay? So he gets the majority of the inheritance. And so here we see that he basically was receiving almost like a double portion of the inheritance of a, of a, of a firstborn son. Okay? And then uh, and then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before. How many of you know? Some, some people say that prosperity is relative. The more prosperous you are, the more relatives you have, right? You know, and so they all came to him. They you know, enjoyed having time with him. They ate bread with him in his house and they showed him sympathy, comforted him for all the evil that the Lord has actually allowed to be brought to him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a ring of gold. And God and the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning and had what? 14,000 sheep before it was 7,000. 6,000 camels before it was 3,000. 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 female donkeys. Double portion. He also had seven sons and three daughters. Ito, pareho pa rin, okay? Kasi mahirap yung benteng anak, di ba? So, ten pa rin, di ba? So, so, seven sons, three daughters, and he called the name of his first daughter, Jemima. Everybody say, Jemima. Jemima means, day by day, affectionate with love. How many of you would like to call your daughter Jemima? Yan. The second daughter is Kezia. Kezia is like fragrance or a cinnamon or spice. Amoy Christmas. Parang ganon, di ba? Kezia. See, uh, the third is Karen Hapuch. Everybody say Karen Kapuch. <laughs> Karen Hapuch. Karen Hapuch. It means highly valuable and beautiful. It means like, uh, like, uh, like a cosmetic because she is so precious and she is so beautiful. So if your name is Karen Hapuch, it means that you are beautiful. I don't know what to call you. Hapuch. But you're beautiful. Okay, that, that's what it means. Anyway, verse, verse 15. And in all the land, there were no women as beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. Because normally, among the Jewish culture, only the brothers would get the inheritance, not the daughters. But in case of Job, he had too many. And he said, I'll give everybody an inheritance. And after this, Job lived how many years? 140 years and saw his sons and his son's son, four generations. Para may akasya na sa likod si Job, no? pero buhay na buhay pa, di ba? 
And Job died an old man and full of days. Can you imagine the Bible says that the normal age of a man is 70 years, but God gave him 140 years, double portion. Amen? And I believe that this particular story will give us hope. It will give us encouragement. Now I want to just say this. If you're going through pain and suffering, this particular book in the Bible does not promise that God will give you double for your trouble. This is unique for Job. He may do that for us, or he may not. But again, I want to go back to this question. Can God find a man who would love him, not because of what we can get from him, but just because of who he is? And I hope that we can actually get out of this place encouraged, knowing that our God is able to provide, our God is able to heal, our God is able to restore our fortunes, amen, even twice, even more and beyond what we can even ask or imagine. But that's not the point. I hope that we can love the Lord with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our soul, and with all our strength. Because that is the greatest command of all. And I believe that if we do that, we are pleased and we will have the best relationship with the Lord ever. And I believe that as, you know, as a father with kids, I think it's just natural for every dad to provide everything for my children. Not because they're good all the time, but simply because of my love for them. And how much more our Heavenly Father, who loves us, who did not withhold His Son, Lord Jesus, to die on the cross for us. If He did not withhold Him, how much more will He not give us all things? Amen. We hope you were inspired by that message. To listen to more podcasts, download the Victory Alabang app. Thank you and stay connected.